You're listening to the Desperation Podcast with guest speaker A. Baranapur speaking on missions in the conclusion of the series, What's Love Got to Do With It? Thank you for calling me, Abram. Can we give it up for uh, David's wi- Mariah Carey whistle tone that he hit at the end of that song? It was, was it on the right key? I have no clue, but it was good. It was good. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to DSM. I know we have some visitors. We already had our VIPs. We have some people visiting from other organizations, other youth groups. If you're here tonight, can you raise your hands? I know we have some people here tonight, so we want to welcome you, DSM. Give them a lovely welcome. Give them a lovely welcome. Well, hey, um, like David said, my name is Abe Baranapur. I'm part of the DSM staff. And so we're going to be closing out. Thank you. I like the clap. That's good. Always start the clap. Um, (laughs) But we're going to be speaking about missions tonight. And just a heads up, if you don't know this about me, I love response when I I speak. So like that, I need some amen, some Shekinah. That was good. Preach it, Pastor. If you agree with something, let's proclaim how good it is. All right? So... We're going to speak on missions tonight. Now, missions is something I hold very near and dear to my heart, specifically with high school students, because my entire like ministry career and my entire walk with God has been from high school and up. So every mission trip that I have gone on has been with high schoolers. And I have seen some incredible things happen, not only in the people that we go to serve, but actually more often than not, some more, some more incredible things happen in the people that we actually take. So that's what we're going to be speaking about tonight. What is God calling you to do? Where is God calling you to step out into? Where is he calling you to go? What trips is he calling you to do? What organization is he calling you to start at your campus? What are the lives that you could change? Because sometimes those people, more often than not, are right there in front of you. And they are ready to be changed. And God is calling you to do that. Now, I know when I mention missions and trips and starting organizations and all that kind of stuff, you think to yourself, okay, well, I'm either like, we got like people from what, like 12, 13, like 13 to like 18 in this room. You're you're that old and you're saying, well, you know what, I've got the rest of my life that I can do missions. But right now, I'm just going to do me because I've got all the time in the world and I'll spend my time wisely. But I'm just going to be frank with you. We are really really dumb with our time. We are so dumb with our times. And I'm not going to use like soft words like, oh, we're, we're just like, we're just noncommittal with our time. We're, we just don't think about it that much. No, I'm gonna, just going to call it out for what it is. Like, we are dumb with our time. So what I need you to do, I need you to turn to your neighbor, turn to one of your neighbors and say, don't be dumb. Turn to your other neighbor and say, with your time, Now let's all face up front and let's say together, don't be dumb with your time. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about how to use our time wisely, how to stop being lazy and really just kind of get out of our seats and really just share the word of God with the people that need to hear it. So we're going to jump right in. Um, We're going to be reading out of Ephesians first. We're going to be in Ephesians 5. And Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus. So I'm just going to read it. If you don't have your Bible, write it down. Look at it later. Look up here on the screen. Here it is. So he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity 
in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. High schoolers, I'm going to go ahead and just repeat that line again for you, all right? Don't be drunk with wine or alcohol or anything else that has related to that because it will ruin your life. Yeah, y'all can name it. Some people in here are like, oh, Lord, he's preaching to me right now. I know some of y'all in here, all right? So instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how many of y'all have made some pretty dumb choices with your time? Like up until, like through your teenagers, how many of y'all have made some really, really, really dumb decisions? How many of y'all have probably said something back to like your mom or your dad and like the second it came out of your mouth, you were like, I'm gonna go to heaven today because my parents are about to kill. How many of y'all have done something dumb? Can I, anybody like, and you know what? Let's brighten up these lights real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk out. I'm gonna walk out here. And do this, you know, like, I mean, you're raising your hand, Tim. Like, I feel like we got to just, we got to hear what the pastor's got to say. Okay, so I need to know, what, what's one of, what's, what's something dumb that you've done with your time that immediately you're like, you know what? That was the biggest regret of my life. Like, something like that. What, what are you thinking? Binge watching Netflix. Oh. Bin- oh. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, though. Hold on. Can, can you say what your favorite show is? Can, can, we talk, can we talk about it here? Yeah, we good? We good? All right. The Office. <laughs> Yes! That's not being done with your time. That's a show that has been granted by the Lord right there. All right, I need one more. Who's just made, this is like a really, 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 I need someone, someone, so, okay, all right, here we go. All right, Statler, all right, tell everyone your first name. Uh, Ethan. Ethan, so I need to know what's, uh, what's something dumb you've done with your time? I played Bomberman for two hours without getting anywhere. Uh, is, that, is that a video game? Yeah, it's a video game. How many of y'all are video I'm like, I'm so old, I don't play video games anymore. I don't, how many of y'all waste your time on video games up in here? Yes? Yeah? Video games? You could tell, like, the older generation were like, I don't know what those video games are. All right. I need one from this section over here. Something dumb you did. Something dumb you did. Something dumb. They're pointing right here. They're pointing right here. Anyone? Anyone over here? Okay, you want to share. All right. Well, yeah, they're too scared. They, they ain't stepping out in faith. They ain't raising their hands. All right, come on up. Come on up. All right. What's your name? I'm Izzy. Hey, Izzy. All your friends sitting over there. You ain't sitting with them. All right, it's cool. Oh, you got your friends. You got friends. All right. So what's something dumb you've done with your time? Um, I spent my entire civics class trying to make my teacher cry. Oh, that's awesome. So you're one of those real good students that, like, I used to substitute. It worked. Okay, I'm, I was a substitute teacher. I'm not, you know, it's cool. It's cool. It's all right. How many of y'all make your teachers cry on a daily basis going to school up in here? Don't raise your Is that you, Victoria? Did you raise your hand? That's cool. It's one of our, she leads worship for us one time, making her teachers cry. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about a time I made a really, really dumb decision. Um... Did I ever tell y'all, have I shared the story yet about, this is like one of your pastors, so I'm so sorry if like your, your respect level for me has gone down. Have I told y'all about the time I got expelled from high school? Have I t- <laughs> My boss is like, no, you didn't, but you didn't include that in the interview either. All right, I'm going to tell you about when I was dumb with my time. So how many of y'all remember home phones when you had a phone inside your home? 
These kids are like, I don't know what that is. So in the summer from eighth grade to ninth grade, I was like, all right, I'm done with junior high. I'm going to high school. I'm going to make some really dumb decisions during the summer. As dumb of a decision as an eighth grader could make, right? So they used to have these things where you could call your school and you could dial in your teacher's name and they have like a voicemail box at school or whatever. And I decided, hey, it would be really smart of me and the teachers would probably think it was funny is if I call and called and left some prank phone calls on their machines. So I did it, I said some real funny stuff but then, do you ever just have that one teacher that, like, because it's something you did, you actually just, like, don't like that teacher at all? Like, it's never their fault. Like, you know that you were a brat in class, but you have, like, a bad teacher. Raise your hand if you've had just a, a teacher that you're like, I don't want to go to this class. I don't like this person. Lord, just help me get through this next hour, all right? So I decided, oh, this is going to be on the podcast. So I decided <laughs> to call this teacher, and I left a very, very not nice, threatening message <laughs> to this teacher. Do y'all want to know what I said? Yeah. You're going to, this can't go on the podcast, actually. No, y'all are going to have to wait. Find me afterwards. I'll show you what I said. But here's what happened. I may, if I get permission from you, it's really bad. Like, okay, then I'm not going to say it. But... <laughs> It's just something I'm just not going to have online, all right? I'm just going to keep a clean record, all right? So, so I said something really bad. And the next day, I go to school. No, it's not the next, because it happened in the summer. It was like the first month. I get called into the office. All my friends get called in before me that were making prank, call, prank calls with me. And one by one, they keep coming back. And they're like, I'm like, what did y'all do? Like, why are all of y'all going to the office? And they're like oh, we're, we're not allowed to talk about it. They said we couldn't. And I'm sitting there so naive. I'm like, y'all must have done something real dumb or like real bad. Little did I know that they were ratting me out to the principal in there. So I get called to the principal's office, get called in. They have a recording of exactly what I said. And I remember I acted. I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, what, what is this on my voice? Well, here's the thing. If you have a home phone, they track it right back to your home phone. Like, they could track it right back. I didn't do, like, what is it, star 67, like, hide my number or anything like that. And long story short, my first week of high school, first week, I didn't even make it five days. It was a Thursday. I got expelled from school. Now, I had to go to alternative high school. I got on probation. I had to go to court. I had to do all this kind of stuff. And look at me now, I'm preaching to y'all today. So uh, the expectation levels are really good. You did a real good job. It's the power of Jesus, right? That's the power of Jesus, right? Needless to say, I was done with my time. If you don't want to end up expelled from school, don't be done with your time. Also, don't make prank phone calls because it's probably the dumbest thing you can do. But how often do we sit here and we have these things in front of us that we know are probably going to take up too much of our time, whether it's Netflix or video games, or maybe it's something that's actually taken away from our testimony, like making our teachers cry, Izzy. Maybe that's hurting the testimony that we're supposed to be given towards other people. Are we making dumb choices with our time? You know, we go to these retreats. We go to these camps. You know, we come back from Coram Deo and we say, God, like, I am fully surrendered to you. 
every moment from this point on, I'm going to follow you. Every moment from this point on, I'm going to proclaim your word to the people that need to hear it. But you want to know what happens? We get back and we find ourselves in our little comfort zone. We find ourselves in our little group of friends and we say, you know what? That was good and all, but maybe I'm going to wait till next year. Maybe I'm going to wait till the next retreat. Maybe I'm going to wait till a conference where I have to fall on my knees in front of God and say, God, I am 100% for you. And then what happens the next week? You make an excuse that now's not really the right time. There's a, there's a better time for me to actually follow God. There's a better time for me to actually do his work while I am here. And it becomes a cycle. So the question we're asking tonight is how do we fix that? How do we get out of this cycle of, God, I'm for you, I'm for you, I'm for you. But hold up, now right now, like you want me to go where? You want me to preach what to who? You, you want me to go to what country? No, no, no. It, it's not really going to happen right now, God. It, now's not the right time. Maybe a year from now, that will be a better time. But right now, I'm just not ready. So how do we fix that? I think first and foremost, you need to take your life and you need to place it fully in front of God. When you bow down at the altar, when you're in your room and you're having these prayers, when you're at these retreats and you're saying, God, I'm 100% for you, actually think about what that means. Because the second you say it, God's going to start putting things in your path that he's actually going to test you and say, hey, then you know what you say you're for me? Then let's go. Let's start walking. Let's start changing the world. Second thing you need to do, take every thought captive. You know, a lot of us will sit here and we'll say, I, I feel like God is telling me that I'm supposed to go on this mission trip. Or I feel like God is telling me, like, that my mission field is actually at school with these group of people. But then the enemy comes in. And he comes in. You want to know what he does? He confuses you. He puts all these other voices in your head. And you know what the voice of God is telling you to do. But you say, you want to know what? If all these other people are telling me these different things, then maybe that wasn't the voice of God. Take those thoughts captive. The second they come into your mind, whatever you need to do, if you need to journal, if you need to write it down on your own, whatever it is, whenever God tells you to do something, get up and move. Start that journey. Quit looking for a better time to do it. And lastly, what you need to do, step out. Step out in faith. The second God calls you to do something, take that first step. Don't say I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Start looking up the steps that it's going to take to actually make that move happen. Start figuring out who do I need to get connected to so that way I can integrate myself into this group of people at school so that way I can start to serve them and share the word of God with them. Start thinking about, okay, immediately, how can I start fundraising? Because God is telling me to go on this mission trip over here, but it's like 1,500 bucks. How can I get on it? You know, if God's telling you to do it, then you might as well start moving because he's going to provide a way for you to do these things if you trust in him. God is speaking to you every single day if you would just listen. God has so many little hidden treasures that he wants you to hear. But are you looking for them? You know, when, when I think of treasures hidden all over the place, we're actually coming up on Easter right now. But I think of, as a kid, one of my, like, most favorite days to, like, go searching for things was Easter. Because as a kid, we used to do the little Easter egg hunts all over, you know. How many of y'all grew up doing, like, Easter egg hunts in, like, your backyard and stuff like that? All right? 
So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. This is for all the people in here who, who know it is. Like, shout out to y'all. How many of y'all know what a cascarone is? How many of y'all know what a cascarone Yes, it's like all of us with last names or middle names like Hernandez and Flores and all that. But it's fine. It's cool. Or if you're from Texas, you know what a cascarone is up in here. But for some of you other people, you know them as, how many of y'all know what a confetti egg is? Yeah. Dang, that's not a thing here. Wow, Colorado, y'all don't do confetti eggs or nothing? Y'all don't do those kind of things right there? Okay, well, never mind then. This point is irrelevant. <laughs> but for all my people with cascarones, shout out to y'all up in here. Y'all know, know where it's really at. So we used to grow up. And like I said, Easter was one of my favorite holidays because I love, like, searching for things. I love getting candy. Now, can we throw up a picture of me as a kid? I think we got that. Look at that. Look at that cute little boy. Right there. Uh, full head of hair, hair sticking up in the bag. This is my kindergarten picture with the cute little overalls and everything. Now, here's the thing. Growing up in San Antonio, if you did an Easter egg hunt, you had those cascaronas, and what they would do is they would crumble it on top of your head. You'd get confetti everywhere. Now, as a kid, I loved to have fun, but I also knew my limits at the same time as a realist. I didn't like cascaronas that much, because you want to know what? With that massive head of hair, which is drastically different today, like, I didn't mess around with confetti. I didn't like doing it. I told my parents no. Now, for the rest of y'all, how many of y'all ever did Easter egg hunts with the plastic little eggs and you got the candy up inside of it? Yes. Praise him, right? So what we would do is I'd skip the confetti run. Wasn't about that life. But I would go out. As soon as we'd have the ones with all the little candies out there, I'm first one at the door, all right? And so my parents would be there. We'd have all of my cousins, all my family. We'd run out. And we'd start doing Easter egg hunt. Everyone's running around searching, searching, searching. I usually find the first egg, and I hunker down. I'm like, I'm not going nowhere. I open it up. By the glory of God, if it was a starburst in there, preferably one of the red starbursts, I wasn't going to go nowhere until I was done eating that thing. My cousins are running around, filling up their whole baskets, and I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going to eat here, sit down. This is comfortable for me. I'm in love with this candy right now, and I wouldn't move on. Meanwhile, there's little treasures hidden all over the place that my parents have hid. Things that they've wanted me to find, but I've said, you know what? This is good enough right here. This is comfortable. How many of us are like that in our walk with the Lord? God is hiding so many things around you right now. God has hidden so many things in your path. But you've gotten to one and you've said, Coram Deo was great. I'm going to stop right here. God, I know that like you've got some other things for me, but... Can I just, can I sit here for a while? Can I, can, can I dwell on this one little good thing? Like, oh, I could pick it up and take it with me and still get some other things? No, I, I still want to just sit here because this is comfortable. And I don't know what this next little Easter egg is going to hold. I don't know what you're going to call me to do next. And so I'm not going to go do it because I'm scared. I'm not going to do it because I don't know if you are going to provide for me. And you see, it becomes more about us and what we're comfortable with instead of the things of God that he's placed in front of us. Instead of the things of God that he has placed in our path that he is just waiting for us to find. That he is longing for us to find because even if you don't believe it, God's not going to give you something if he hasn't equipped you for it already. 
He's going to give you the things that he knows that you are ready for. And if you don't feel ready, guess what? God's going to step in and he's going to make it happen regardless. You see, you'll never step out because you're afraid that it might not be easy. You know, I'm not going to go sit with this group of kids at school because you want to know what? They don't look like me. They don't listen to the same music. They don't speak like I do. They use language that I do not like to use. So you know what? That's not really who I'm going to go speak to. I know God is telling me to go out and preach the word, but I'm not going to really go to them. You want to know, I'm not going to go on this mission trip over here because you want to know what? I, I see the group that's going. I don't really know anyone over there. I don't know anyone in that group. All of my homies, all of my friends, they're not going. So this isn't really where I'm going to go because it's going to make me uncomfortable. You know, I'm not going to preach the word of God to the people in my city, in my school, in my family because I don't know if God's going to come through. I don't know if he's going to give me the right words to say. And so I'm just going to stand right here. I'm going to hold my little Easter egg and I'm just going to live in this little safe bubble. When God is calling you to go out and change the world. When God has already equipped you to go out and change the world. And God has given you his living word to go out and change the world. You see, here's the problem. And I'm guilty of this too, but I'm going to call some of y'all out right now. Just know at the same time. I'm calling myself out. You see, we come into this room every week and we shout words like victory. We shout victory over so many things. But you want to know what? We don't want the battle that goes along with it. You know, we sit here and we say, you know what? Yes, it's in worship. So, so many words. So it's like, I am a conqueror. But you don't want any of the conflict that goes along with it. So the question is, uh, how can you really be a conqueror if there's no conflict going along with it. How can you shout victory over something if you're not really willing to step into the battlefield that God has called you to step into? This is how I know that like <laughs> my sermon was going in the right place. Aiden spoke tonight, he talked about us offering ourselves up as a living sacrifice. Do y'all know what it means to be a sacrifice? When you look at the Old Testament, you know, you had all these animals that would be sacrificed to God. Now, when they sacrificed an animal, what did, what did they do to it? They'd kill it. They'd kill it and burn it. They would destroy it. It would no longer be around. It was fully sacrificed to God. But now God is calling you to be a living sacrifice. So that way we don't, we don't have to go that far anymore, all right? We're not going to go that far. But God is calling us to be a living sacrifice. And you know what it means to be a sacrifice? Once you are a sacrifice, you are dead to yourself. You are dead to your wants. You are dead to the things that make you comfortable. This little bubble over here that you like to stand in, you're dead to that. That's not yours anymore. But as a sacrifice that is being fully consumed, you are to be fully used for the glory of God and to glorify his kingdom. And that is what it means to be a sacrifice. So I want you to think about that. that yeah, I heard someone like clap. Y'all can clap. Y'all can clap it out, right? So I want you to think about that next time you say, God, I'm giving it all up to you. God, next time you sing that song, you can have it all, Lord. Does that actually mean you're willing to offer yourself up as a living sacrifice? Because to offer yourself up as a sacrifice means that you're now going to have to work. That you're now going to have to start walking. That you're now going to have to start doing the things that are just a little difficult. You see, in Matthew 
9.37, Jesus tells his disciples as he's looking out over the crowds, he's looking out over the crowds of people, and there's so many people that want to hear the voice of God. There's so many people that want to experience him. And he says this to him, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's people out there waiting. There are so many people out there waiting, and God has planted them in your path. So that way you can be a part of their story. That way you could be a part of their testimony where they come to know Jesus. How many of y'all know what a harvest is? How many of y'all know? How many of y'all know what harvest is? Okay, we got, we got a good chunk of hands in here. So everyone's scared to raise their hands. I think I'm going to call on them now, right? So harvest... What it is is when the food is ready in the crops, and we're thinking of like a farm, you have all these crops. The harvest is when it is ready. It is ready to go on the table. Now here's the question. Does it just, uh, does it just show up at your doorstep when it's ready? Does it, it doesn't. So you're telling me that like when God says like the harvest is ready, I have all this ready for you. We don't just have to sit there and be like, God, yes, bring it to me. Put it at my feet. Like, is that how it works? No? Who here has ever lived or worked on a farm? Anybody? Anybody? Like, hold on. Like, put your hands down. I'm talking like a real farm. Like, your grandma didn't grow, like, tomatoes and cucumbers in your backyard. Like, I'm talking like a real farm. You did great? You did? Okay. Guess what? You rose your hands. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask you a question here. So, um, have you ever worked or lived on the farm when there was, like, a harvest? Yeah? When it was ready? Okay. So when the harvest was ready, like, you just woke up one day, all of it was, like, boxed and everything, and it was ready to go to sell and to eat and all that? It wasn't. Like, you actually, you had to work. You had to go get it. How, it was difficult? Okay. So it didn't involve you just sitting around saying, God, like, bring it to me. It didn't involve God, bring the people I'm supposed to change. It didn't involve them. Okay. So you actually had to put some work into the harvest. Does that scare some of y'all today? I want you to think. Does that scare some of y'all when God says, there are so many people I need you to change, but I'm not going to bring them to your doorstep. But instead, I'm asking you to go to them. I'm asking you to work. I'm asking you to step out of your comfort zone. You see, my point I want y'all to take from this is, you want to reap the harvest, but you can't with your feet up. You want to reap the You want to go around and say, man, I went on this mission trip. And, man, there are so many people that I got to witness to that I got to share my testimony with. You want that thing. You want to be able to say that you are part of it. But you don't want to take the uncomfortable steps to actually get to that point. You see, reaping the harvest isn't like going through that Dunkin' Donuts drive through down the street. Reaping the harvest isn't like walking into fuzzies and saying, hey, I'm going to get some good grub for me right now, so it's going to be out five, ten minutes. We're good? All right, cool. That's not what reaping the harvest is. Reaping the harvest takes early mornings, it takes late nights, and it takes uncomfortable moments. But you want to know what? It's because you're on a mission. This right here, this is reaping the harvest. Planning for sermons, day in, day out, figuring out, God, what do you want me to speak? Ministering to y'all, that's a harvest. That is tough work sometimes because we have to be in tune with what God wants us to say to you. So for some of y'all, you're like, Abe, are you saying that you did not like to plan your sermon? Absolutely not. No, 
It was horrible. David knows I freak out about like the tiniest little things. Like the first time I had to preach last year, like I was bawling up here in the front because I was like, David, I don't want to preach tonight. Like what if I don't do it right? Guess what? I'm doing it though because I'm on a mission. So who's on a mission today in this room? Or who's just sitting around? Who's got somebody, who's got a harvest in front of them right now, but you're not willing to step out and take control of that harvest? You're not willing to wake up those early mornings, stay up late at night praying for those people, figuring out how to fundraise money for a mission trip. Who's sitting there right now saying, you know what, God, this just seems too big for me. But also, who's ready to step out? And who's ready to reap the harvest that God has placed in our path? We're going to go to the book of John, and um, I'll tell you, we're going to be in John 4. If you all just want to flip there, whether it's on your phones, write it down or whatever. But I'm going to give you some background really quick. We're going to be in John 4.27, by the way. But just some background. So Jesus is on his way to Galilee. Now, on the way to Galilee, he has to pass through Samaria. And just some background, if you, if you haven't read this part yet or haven't heard about it, Samaria, Samaritans and Jews, they did not like each other. Like, they were sworn enemies. They did not talk to each other. They did not associate with one another. So it was already risky for Jesus to be cutting through this place just to get to Galilee. You see, he could have gone around and taken the long route to kind of avoid some uncomfortable moments. But you want to know what? Jesus is on a mission here. Because there are people that need to hear the word of God. And so he meets this woman at the well. Just to give you some context, he meets this woman at the well. And he tells her everything about her life. He knows how many husbands she's had. He knows that she is thirsting for water. And he gives her living water. He tells her about this. And she goes back and she proclaims it to her town. And she talks about him being the Messiah. And we're going to get to that. But here's the thing. His disciples come up to him. Find him talking to this woman who in those days probably had no reason to, to be talked to in the first place. You didn't want to be close to this person. You didn't want to be associated with this person. It was uncomfortable. But his disciples come up and they see him doing that and they miss the entire point. So starting off it says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? You see... They jump to conclusions about what's actually going on. In verse 28, we continue. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who's told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples, the, one who's, the ones who have been following him, the ones who have been hearing his word and his message and know the importance of actually getting his word out there, they're sitting around and they argue. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, man, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to another, like th this just kind of takes it over the edge of how much they're not paying attention. Then they said to another, could somebody else have actually brought him food? They don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it, and they're missing the point. Jesus is working with this woman. And these disciples, they walk up to him with, like, a bag of food. I don't know. It's like what burger place around here. Wendy's. Yeah, they walk up with Wendy's or something. No onions on the burger because onions are of the devil, all right? So they... <laughs> Oh, what, because you know onions, you're friends with them? Don't be offended, whatever. So they give him, <laughs> they try to give him this thing. They try to get him to eat. 
And you want to know what Jesus says? He's like, get that out of my face. I don't need that. Don't you see that I am working on something here? Don't you see that I am on a mission? Don't you see that I am changing lives of people that thought were destined for nothing? I am working on something, and I am on a mission. And you see, sometimes I think we're the disciples. Not sometimes, a lot of the times. I feel like we're the disciples. We're sitting there, we're wondering, when are we going to get our next meal? And I'm not talking like physical meal. I'm talking about when are we going to be glorified next? When am I going to go to my next DSM service that just made me feel so good tonight? It made me feel great. Man, I love the worship. You should see how the worship affected me tonight. You should see how the message made me feel good, but yet I'm not going to go out to the mission field that's right in front of me. I'm not going to go reap the harvest that is around me right now. So the question is, who's on a mission today? We're going to ask that again. Who's on a mission today? You see, I think a lot of you are kind of asking yourself that question. Am I on a mission? Or is this just kind of like self-serve here, like I get what I want, it makes me feel good. I'll leave, I'll come back. I'll shout victory, not take the battle. I'll say I'm a conqueror, but I'll avoid all the conflict. How many of y'all are actually living in that place today? You see, there are so many people that need to hear his word and to drink the living water. And that's why I got up today. I don't know about y'all. That's why I prepared this sermon today. That's why I'm looking for what is my Samaria that I need to walk through. Who are the people that I need to preach to? Who are the ones that I need to bring the word to? That is why I'm on a mission. So the question is for you, are you on a mission today? Or are you just ready to sit back in that bubble? What's it going to take to get you to move? So as the band comes up, we're going to close out. But here's one thing that if you want to be on a mission, here's some tips to take. When you're on a mission, there are some phone calls that you're probably just going to have to skip. You're probably just going to have to let go to voicemail. You're not going to be able to answer. There's going to be some events and some parties that you're like, you know what? <laughs> I really can't do that right now because I'm on a mission. And that's going to take me off of my path to Samaria to bring living water to people who are thirsting for it. There's going to be some opportunities that arise in your life that you're going to have to say, you know what, this is great, but that's taken away from my mission. That's taken away from the people that I need to be reaching. You're going to have to sacrifice. If you want to be a living sacrifice, you're going to have to sacrifice, and you're going to have to work, and you're going to have to be uncomfortable, because guess what? Right outside those doors, the harvest is ready. In your schools, the harvest is ready, and it's waiting. Across this nation, in other cities, the harvest is ready. All around the world, the harvest is ready. So will you step forward? And will you reap it or will you let it rot? And will you sit back and just wait in this cycle of next year I'll do this. Next year I'll start this on-campus group. Next year I'll, I'll go on this mission trip. Next year I'll go serve in my city to the people that I drive by every day and just roll my window up to and just ignore. 
Maybe some other time I'll do it. Guys, the harvest isn't going to wait. The harvest is ready. And the harvest is here. We continue reading in John 4.35. He tells his disciples, he says, Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? And he tells them, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe and they are ready to go. So I want you all to say that with me. I want, I want us to actually proclaim it. The harvest is ready. I think you all can do better than that. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Are you on a mission today? Are you on a mission? Because God's got some incredible things for you to read. And you might sit here and say, I'm not ready. I don't have the right words to say. My testimony isn't strong enough. God, I'm going to mess up these words. I'm going to mess up your word as I tell these people things. But guess what? Last point I want you to remember is God wants your risk more than your perfection. Because guess what? It's not your reputation that's on the line. It's God's reputation. And if God is calling you to do something, he's not going to let his reputation go away. He's not going to let anything hurt his reputation if you would just walk in the boldness of it. So when your friends want to just sit around and say, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm not really going to do these things. You know what you tell them? Hey, you know what? <laughs> That's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here. But, but hold on. Like, this is us. This is our comfort zone. This is what you've always been a part of. That's cool. You want to know why? Because I'm on a mission. And the harvest is ready to be reaped. And God has called me to do it, so I will do it. Think about the people you can change. I think about, <laughs> we're just going to go there. I think about the shooting that happened in Florida was two weeks ago. And I think about the gunman who's sitting there. And I wonder... Always, and I've, and I've had these talks with Pastor David before. Was he somebody's mission field? Did somebody neglect to go out and share the word of Jesus, to share the goodness of the Lord to these people that do these heinous things? Did somebody neglect to reap that harvest? Did somebody neglect to step out of their comfort zone? I want you to think of how much change you could bring to this world. And I want you to think how you alone can change the course of history just by stepping out. Just by stepping out and living on mission. So I'll say it one last time. And it's up to you. When you leave this place, you can go get in your car, you can drive home and you can say, hey, you know what, wanna know what? Like, this is me, this is good enough for me. I know God's calling me to do this. I know God's calling me to go on this summer trip. I know God's calling me to do this, but I'm not ready. It's not the right time. Or you could be someone who walks in faith. You could be the person that changes your school. You could be the person that changes your family. You could be the person that changes one life all the way across the world. The harvest is ready. So let's step out. 
and let's reap what is ready for us. Let's stand and worship right now. And as we go into that, I'm just going to pray. And if you want to talk, I'm a, we're going to have, we have leaders that are here on this edge over here. We have leaders that are here. We have some that will be here in the front. If you want to talk with anyone about what it actually means to step out in faith, if you just need prayer and encouragement, we got DLA and our, and, and our youth leaders here in this room. We want to pray over you. And as we sing this next song, like, we're talking about God burn like a fire in me. That's our prayer tonight. So God, we give you this time. God, we give you our worship. God, I ask, man, God, would you convict us of the things that we need to throw away? God, would you convict us to the point to where we need to step up? God, that we need to stand up and start moving out to the people that are right in front of us. God, would you show us the harvest that is right in front of us? God, would you give us the tools to reap what is ready? God, would you give us the tools to reap what is ripe and just ready to hear your word, Jesus? God, we give you this time. God, we give you permission to do whatever you need to do. God, for you to say whatever you need to say. Use whoever you need to use to change lives in this room tonight so we can not just be a youth ministry that is comfortable sitting in a tent every single Wednesday night, but God, would we just go out and would we change the world? God, when we feel unready, God, would we remember that you just want our risk? The perfection, that's up to you, Jesus. And we know since you are good and you know nothing else other than being good, God, that you will provide in every single moment where you have called us to reap the harvest. God, we give you this time. We give you the permission, God. In Jesus' name, amen.